Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I have here with me my new friend, Meredith Rinkars. Thank you so much for joining the Boca Podcast, Meredith. Thanks so much, Nathan, for having me on here. Yeah, and we're going to, uh, well, first of all, I have to say that I've already been impressed. Even in our preparation for our conversation, you gave me such detailed response. And to that end or to that point, um, we're actually going to be talking about the very topic of preparation um, for the new year. And, and some, some photographers might be a little surprised by this, this idea that, you know, we're right now we're recording this conversation in October. This episode will probably come out in November and, um, we're already talking about how to plan for the new year. What's that all about? We're going to dive into that in just a little bit, but I want to start first with uh, a quick value add for our listeners. If somebody turns the podcast episode on and they can only listen for a few minutes, um, I want them to still walk away with something. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners, an aha moment that you had in your business that made a big difference that helped you grow your business? Sure, absolutely. So Nathan, the, the biggest aha moment we had was when we started to step outside of the photography industry and look at education that was provided for not only small business owners, but Fortune 500 companies. And we attended a training with the Arbinger Institute up in DC. And that massively changed how we interacted with our fellow vendors, how we um, dealt with our customers, as well as contracted employees. It just made such a huge difference for us. Wow. Okay. So that this, this sounds like you're approaching it from like a, your business from a 30,000 foot view, as opposed to, I think what a lot of us have been guilty of in our businesses, just, you know, blinders on just reacting to what's right in front of us. What was the impetus for that thought process? I mean, do you have a business background? Did you study business in school? No, I don't have a business background. I really, I really wish I did, but I don't. Uh, I actually have an art education background, and we just kind of had this fall in our lap, and from that um, experience made the decision that we needed to actually pursue going out and meeting um, people outside of our industry, yeah. learning from people outside of our industry, and... Um, that's something that just kind of was an accidental thing. Now, you mentioned the Arbinger Institute. What is that institute about? So the Arbinger Institute is based out of Utah. They train people from Citrix all the way up to Lockheed Martin and other companies uh, how to interact with each other. And they come in and often solve big problems. They uh, coach companies, they coach CEOs, and their um, mindset that they have towards others is so simplistic in some ways. Um, but when you go through the training, um, it really gets to the heart of how we act and react to people in our industry hmm. and how we act and react to our clients. And just that two-day training um, caused us to double our income in one year. Whoa. And this yeah. was largely a result of changing the way that you approach the relationships with your potential clients and clients? 
Yes, it did. That's yeah. fascinating. And already, I'm, I'm already thinking about a, a podcast episode number two with you because it sounds like that could be a topic in and of itself. It's really, really fascinating. But this is a, a great reminder for me and for our listeners um, just to get us started to make sure to, to branch out of our, um, our, our normal day-to-day existence as business owners, certainly to educate ourselves, but even to do so outside of our industry. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, it's easy to kind of have blinders on and just be stuck in reactive mode constantly trying to keep the business afloat. It's important to take a step back, um, look to other resources, especially those outside the industry and continue to challenge ourselves and educate ourselves uh, for the sake of bettering our business. So this is a really great reminder and a great way to start the, the podcast off. You said we just a second ago, I'm assuming you're talking about your, your husband and I'd love for you to share a little bit about your husband, kind of what day-to-day life looks like for you guys and what you like to do with your free time. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I do say we, uh, my husband is the office manager, tech guru. Um, he is the, the guy that kind of keeps me balanced when I have these really big dreams and, um, probably not enough time to complete them. <laughs> and, and what's his name? <laughs> his name is Jason. Jason. Okay. So he does not second shoot with me. He is a full-time nurse and um, also a full-time student right now, which is why we've relocated to Alabama just recently. And so that's, that's the we in our photography business. I love it. And what is, like, what's day-to-day life look like for you guys right now, both in business and just in your personal life as well? So day-to-day for us is super fast-paced. Um, most of the time we have two small kids one eight and one four. And so we, you know, spend a lot of time taking them to school, taking them to um, sports activities. And when we have free time, we do things like going to the park or um, we're big history nerds. So we love museums, (laughs) um, pretty much of any kind. And Friday night movies are our thing. We love to, to share classic movies like The Goonies and Oh, we just watched Cool Runnings last week with our kids. Oh, that's really fun. And, and I love those traditions, too. Something that, um, that I did with, I have two kids, Austin's 15, Addison's 12. And something that I did with them growing up was initially it started as Fun Sunday. And then it, um, with having to photograph weddings on Sunday and, and um, or actually it started Fun, fun Monday. Um, we were photographing on the weekends and it was nice to, to hit Monday and take a break and, and we'd set computers aside and, and go spend time with them. And then it changed to fun Sunday as um, they went into school, but it was cool to have this tradition. They knew that like we'd land on this particular day, they're going to get some focused time. We're setting you know computers aside. We're not working. We're spending time with them. I love those kinds of traditions. And I think it's great for the kids to be able to have that kind of uh, the stability that comes from consistent, um, almost like a schedule, something that they have to look forward to. And I think that's really, really wonderful. I love this beautiful picture that, that you paint uh, with your two kids. And, and um, it sounds kind of fun. I, I, I know that that younger stage can be um, a, a bit overwhelming at times too, because they're not quite as independent. So there's a lot to manage. How do you, how do you find free time amidst having two young kids and running a business? And maybe is there a particular technique or tool that you found important to creating more free time for yourself? Oh gosh. Um, so I, I'll be very frank. It's never perfect. It is always a little chaotic. Um, but I've learned the, the hard way that I have to outsource. I absolutely have to outsource or I will, not be able to be a balanced mother or wife or business owner. And so, um, 
that's our, our biggest thing is we outsource. Um, we use photographers edit Planoly for Instagram, meet Edgar, 17 hats and convert kit. And that, that sounds like a lot, but it really cuts down on the amount of time that I have to be in front of the computer. And it allows me a lot more time with my family. For sure. Well, and we'll make sure to link to these these various resources in the show notes so our listeners can link to them and take a look at them. I don't I personally don't think that sounds like a lot. And I think it's cool that you're taking advantage of tools that are all web based. Yes. Um, that, that enable you to save some time so you can kind of minimize the busy work on your end and uh, and ultimately create as much free time as possible. And I get it. It, is, it does get chaotic. Um, even for myself, uh, you know, as, as somebody who kind of preaches this idea of, of delegation and outsourcing to create more freedom and flexibility for ourselves as business owners, um, I, I'm, not, I'm certainly not perfect in that realm either. And it's good to have these reminders. Um, was it difficult to find, uh, I guess, to, to go through the process of giving up something like editing, for example, that, that's, a, that's always kind of a touchy topic, um, the idea of outsourcing, or I, I like the word delegation better because outsourcing seems to carry kind of a negative connotation sometimes. But um, the idea of delegating something like that, that is so personal and that's tied to your artistry, did you find that, that difficult? What was that process like? Initially, it was. Um, initially, it was really hard to let that go. But the moment that I didn't have to go through and edit a wedding um, made it completely worthwhile. And so I, I haven't looked back. I think we've been doing it for at least four or five years now. And it's, I, I could not imagine having to go back and edit things myself at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I know that feeling. I, at one point I was shooting 30 to 40 weddings a year as well. And the notion of trying to manage that editing on my own, especially kind of being the, the perfectionist type at the time, uh, it's just, it's a mind blowing, overwhelming concept. Um, so I totally get where you're coming from. How much time would you say that you spent processing a wedding on your own um, before you started delegating that out? Um, initially, it'd probably take about five to eight hours. And that's, you know, starting out learning how to shoot correctly. So, I'm, I mean, that, that's five to eight hours per wedding. Right. So that adds up really fast. Very much. Um, and I, I am particular. So, yeah, let, being able to let it go, though, was such a blessing. That's really cool. Well, we'll make sure again to, to link certainly to Photographer's Ed and of course these other resources that you mentioned so our listeners can take a look. Um, you know, there, we have opportunities as business owners to delegate those things that A, maybe we're not as good as others at. We can, we can give that to somebody else who specializes in that particular task, whether it's editing or accounting or album design or whatever it might be. Um, there are also wonderful tools online that allow us to simplify and to automate these processes that become busy work and kind of complicate our lives as business owners and jumble our brains because we have so much to keep up with. Uh, there are really great resources out there to, to help you run your business more efficiently. So we'll link to those in the show notes for sure. But talk to us a little bit about how you got into photography uh, and how you landed on engagement and wedding photography. Yeah, yeah, Nathan, absolutely. So for me, I, I never went to college intending to be a photographer. I actually have a degree in early childhood education, fully intended to be a teacher, um, went back and got an art degree and um, was actually teaching um, on a military post back in 2007. And 90% of our neighborhood had, um, their husbands were deploying. And so they wanted um, pictures that they could 
hold on to that they could keep on their wall um, while while dad was gone, while husband was gone. And so for whatever reason, there was not a saturated market there. There, there was hardly any photographers at all. And they happened to knew, know that I had a, a camera, had a DSLR, uh, had an art background. And so they had asked me and offered to pay me to take family portraits. And that kind of grew, the business grew out of that um, accidentally. And at the same time, my husband and I had gotten married and our photographer, our wedding photographer backed out a month for our wedding. Oh man. Um, yeah. And it just kind of threw us for a loop. We had a sweet friend of ours from college that stepped in and, um, we were her first wedding. And out of that incident, um, she is now a wedding photographer and, we continued to have people that we kind of through the course of life spent time with that their wedding photographers backed out on them. And they knew I was at the time a family and senior portrait photographer and they, they were in a same situation as us as we had been. And so I was very frank with them and said, I've never shot a wedding before, but I will take the best care of you that I can. And I fell in love with being a wedding photographer. I fell in love with telling that story of who they were and, and honoring that story through those pictures. And I eventually have let go of senior photography and for the most part, um, family portraiture as well. So I, you, it sounds like you just kind of jumped in, you dove in head first. Did you, what was, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is awesome, by the way, I'm a huge fan of that. I mean, it's, it's in some ways it, it becomes a little bit precarious at times, but, but it forces you to learn quickly and, you know, we can, as, as artist types in particular, we can kind of sit around all day and overanalyze, you know, when's the right time to do this or that rather yeah. than just going for it. And uh, it's certainly important. I mean, we're going to get to this very topic actually to, to plan and to prepare, but at some point you just got to go for it. I love that you, that you took that initiative and went for it, but how did you learn the art of photography along the way? Was it just trial and error? Did you were you reading books? Were you looking at online courses? What did that look like? So I, like I said before earlier, that I had a, an art degree in education. I had taken some film photography courses. I had a basic understanding from, from that perspective. And I came into photography about the time that um, Creative Live was starting, that there were starting to be online education for photographers. And so I did everything I could to soak that up. At the time, we didn't have any kids. So that allowed me to spend a little more time on education um, as as we moved in or as I moved into photography for weddings, um, the International Academy of Wedding Photography started. Uh, and that has been a huge help. Um, we've invested in uh, you know one on one mentorships because I don't want to ever produce something that I wouldn't want for myself. And that's kind of the standard that you hold yourself to. That, that's, a, that's a high standard. What does that actually look like? I mean, is there, does this mean that there's a particular style or certain types of exposure or composition or otherwise, or kind of all of the above? What is that standard that you're talking about? So for us, that is primarily light and airy. Um, we are starting to do more and more off-camera flash in the last two to three years and so that's kind of our style is is changing and evolving to have that in there as well. That's really cool. And and did you have you kind of 
found this style as a result of your exposure to these various online courses? I mean, I know, and we'll make sure also to, to link to the um, to the online wedding academy um, resources like that or Creative Live. Were you learning, kind of figuring out your style as a result of taking those courses? Yes, we. When I started out, it was all over the place. It was every <laughs> single, every single because po- I was at the time, um, I was still editing things myself. Um, and so it was every single preset out there. This looks great. (laughs) I'm going to try that. And, and knowing over time learning that, that it needs to be consistent and just, you know, starting out as a brand new photographer, there's so much that you don't know that you don't know. It's so true. And, and fortunately for us, especially in this day and age, we, we have very, very easy access to these wonderful resources we were just talking about. I, I'm, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you push yourself too to take advantage of these various resources, whether it's the Arbinger Institute um, or something like Creative Live or the Wedding Academy, the Online uh, Wedding Academy. Uh, we'll make sure again to link to these wor- resources in the show notes, but I, I challenge our listeners, you guys listening out there, make sure that you are pushing yourself consistently, You know, whether that's reading a book, a business book, or a self-help book that might tie in somehow to, to your business. And of course, improving ourselves personally can certainly translate to our business, but um, take advantage of these wonderful resources and continue to challenge yourself. Your business will be better for it. Your photography will be better for it. And speaking of resources, um, I, I'd love for you to share a little bit with our listeners about a website that you started called the Restart Specialist or the RestartSpecialist.com. Yeah, absolutely. So the Restart Specialist um, was born out of um, that, that desire to help others that were in a similar situation to us. And so if you haven't picked up on the, the slight military, um, hints within the conversation so far, I am a military spouse. My husband is active duty, um, which means for us that we move every three to four years, generally speaking. And, um, that's a little bit different in the, in the wedding industry. Um, it's a little easier with family photography because there's always families around you, um, within the the military community and wherever else you're placed. But as far as weddings go, that's a little bit different, a little bit more difficult to relocate. And we found over time that when we mentored with, uh, um, photographers, we went to industry events and asked people that were in the industry, um, how, how do you move a business? We couldn't get a clear, concise answer. And we've even gotten answers of, well, you picked this life so you can choose to just be a decent hobbyist or you can tell your husband to quit his job. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so that really, um, that one incident was really the fire for us. (laughs) I can um, imagine. Wow. That was not that just wasn't enough of an answer for me that right. I wasn't willing to settle for that. And I don't think that anybody else should either. Mm, and I yeah. thought, man, if, um, if I was a brand new business owner, even if I wasn't moving to be told, Oh, you can just be a decent hobbyist. I, that's not cool. I'm not good with that. No. And, and so we created the restart specialist because we knew that, We've done this before. We've done it successfully. And every time we've done it, we've been able to, instead of lower our prices in a new location, we've raised them consistently every time we've moved. We've booked clients before we've ever gotten to that new location. And so if it works for us, I want to get it out there for other people who 
are moving their business, that want to to grow their business and be a legitimate business owner in a new location, or those that are just starting out that may never move, but they're saying we're stagnant, we're not seeing the growth we want to see, there's got to be a better way. And so we created that to help other business owners grow. Well, and I love that you created that out of your personal experience. That, you know, businesses that come about as a result of personal experience um, ter- tend to carry a lot of passion, and I can hear that in your voice and your response. <laughs> yeah, and and I love that, but it's it's a beautiful site. And for those of you who might be in a similar situation, uh, military family, or maybe you're just getting ready to move to a different part of the the country for for whatever the reason might be. Um, make sure that you go take a look at this website. It, again, it's beautifully designed, and to have a resource like this that will help you and enable you to make that transition, but to do so effectively and ultimately profitably. Um, wow, what a wonderful resource, Meredith, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, I, I want to get to uh, this, the, the conversation, kind of the focus uh, of our conversation today, which is how to prepare for 2018, to prepare for the new year. And before I hit the record button, you said you're very much a, a type A personality. Um, and, and I love that. I love the, the drive innate to that. And I love the, the organizational tendencies that come about as a result of that. Where does that come from for you, do you think? Well, I'm firstborn child, so that probably has a little to do with it. Um, it also has to do with the fact that I like to know what's next. Um, I like lists. I like to know what needs to be done. Otherwise, I find that I spin my wheels way too much. And so I think that's probably where that comes from. Well, that totally makes sense. And, and I know that, uh, again, w- with, with the photography industry being what it is and, and a lot of artist types, uh, there is a, a, a tendency for a lot of us to kind of function haphazardly. You know, we got excited about photography. We start this photography business um, but then in the business just kind of happens to us and kind of like mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier with, with editing, where you're just trying a little bit of this and doing a little bit of that. Um, I think that a lot of photographers function that way. And, um, you know, they're trying this Photoshop action and that Lightroom preset and taking this workshop and going to this conference and, you know, trying this piece of gear and that piece of gear. And they spend a lot of money and as you say, spin their wheels and then they realize that the business isn't doing as well as it could. And uh, I think a lot of that has to do with not taking a step back, looking at the bigger picture and actually having a plan. And I love the fact that we're talking about the new year now during this time, um, as I alluded to at the beginning of our conversation, you know, a couple months in advance, um, and this episode will go out uh, in November. But the fact that we're, we're actually discussing this prior to, you know, December 30th or 31st, that we're actually talking about it now. But I, I think the, the, fact, the very fact that you've been proactive in your approach to planning um, speaks volumes when it comes to the success of your business. And so I'd love to, to dive into what it means. First of all, really the significance of preparation in advance. Um, and then maybe you can share steps with our photographers that they can take to plan for this upcoming year. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I sent you a quote that, that I'm going to just say is huge for me at the, at this time of the year. It's um, something we put on our whiteboard in my office, but Benjamin Franklin says, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Uh, yes. And so that is our like motto for the fall for October, November, December timeframe, because starting out in the business, you know, you'd wait till January to change your prices or, um, 
you get so booked you can't see straight because October is a crazy busy month, um, not only for family photographers, but for wedding photographers as well. As we're heading into engagement season, we're, you know, we're wrapping up for the year. Um, and we kind of tend to just get bogged down with there's too much and I'll just wait till January. And I find that if I wait till January, I'm behind the curve. Um, I'm playing catch up rather than being, you know, planning ahead and preparing. For sure. What we typically do is this is where my husband kind of comes into the to the game, and um, we sit down and we look at um, we do a SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. And I would highly encourage you guys, if you're listening to this, sit down, find a business partner, find somebody that. Um, you can take a day or two and go through each other's business. If they're not a business owner and they're just a really good friend willing to listen and talk through this, that's awesome. Um, but looking at street, your strengths, where, where you're really good at in your business and capitalizing on that and what you're weak in. And we look at that and we say, okay, um, a couple of years ago, we were really weak in off-camera flash. It scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> and um, I think that's true for a lot of photographers that are getting started out. It, it's sure. like this unknown mythical entity. Um, so we said a couple of years ago when we were planning, this is, this is something we need to address. And so we budgeted for that for that year of we are going to learn off-camera flash and we are going to learn from, you know, who in the industry is someone that, that can speak into this weakness and help us. Um, and we, we didn't just say that and make, you know, make a list, but we looked at budget wise, what can we afford to do? And then we look at opportunities. Where are there opportunities for us to serve? Where are there opportunities for us to grow within our community? And then we looked at threat and that's not like threat of competition, but threats of where are we not doing something right? Where are we dropping the ball? And for us at one point, that was client gifting. Like we wanted to do it, but that meant for us going out to, you know, Target or wherever and trying to find something that fit our brand. And so we outsourced that last year and it was such a blessing to be able to say to this company, this is our brand. Um, we're dropping the ball on this. We need to gift our clients this beautiful gift. I don't have time to do this. And so that took care of that inconsistency for us. Um, but looking at where you're dropping the ball, maybe it's your workflow, maybe it's something else. Um, but we review that, uh, for the past year and looking forward to the new year of how we can adjust that. And this is a really powerful conversation, but I can imagine like whether it's you're sitting down with your husband or one of our listeners is sitting down with a friend or family mm -hmm. member or whoever it might be, like you kind of have to set ego aside for a little bit in order to yes. get that kind of objective feedback that may not necessarily feel good um, and, and really take an honest look at the business, right? Yeah, it's definitely, you're going to have to kind of put the big girl pants on, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, definitely have a little bit of a thick skin to hear what may or may not be said. And that's where getting, you know, getting somebody that's in the industry with you, especially, you know, if you're in the wedding industry, go, you know, speak with a planner that's your business bestie or whatever floral designer or something 
that you can speak to each other's businesses and help each other out. If you don't have a spouse that understands or is in the business, um, that's a great way to kind of walk through that with somebody else. Yeah, that's a great idea. Somebody that that's in business and, and this, this would be a mutually beneficial process. And mm-hmm. ideally you have a relationship established so, so there's some trust there and you know, you can be open and expressive. Uh, but this is a great recommendation and actually, uh, really something in addition to the, the business planning that I already do, I, I, I love, you know, I've, I've heard the idea of using this, the SWAT process before for business planning, but it's a good reminder for me, even as we get ready to go into the new year to take a look at my business, just simply using those, those principles, those concepts. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And actually, I have one more question about that. You mentioned uh, this company that you used, that you delegated the gifting process to. Would you be willing yeah. to, sh- to share that company or is it, is it top secret? No, it's not top secret. I adore them. It's another fellow military spouse. It's called Teak and Twine. They just relocated to the D.C. area, but they, um, they are amazing at what they do. They, they build a a client gift based on your needs, your budget How cool. and your brand. Um, and they are just amazing at what they do. So they're, they're phenomenal. Cannot say enough about them. Wow. Okay. So Teak and Twine, is that T-E-A or T-E-E? It's T-E-A-K, okay. Teak and Twine. And um, Torrance is the owner. She She's just amazing. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure we link to to them as well in our show notes. And I really appreciate you sharing. That's a fascinating concept. I know that I used to give or we used to give gifts to our clients. And that process was something that that we handled. Um, The idea of even being being able to delegate that process out. How how wonderful is that? That's really, really cool. Well, let's let's jump from. So with this first step, uh, the first thing to consider in this planning process for the new year uh, is SWAT strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Having a conversation around these principles, these ideas with somebody that you can trust, that you can be open and have very frank conversation with at times. Um, this is a, this is a great first step. Take us to the second step, if you will. So the second step that we just recently started implementing in the last year was that we are surveying our past clients about their experience because we get, I mean, when you get a great review, that's fantastic. But sometimes a bride or a client may not tell you fully. They, you know, they may love you and want to give a great review, but there may be one or two things that they kind of have in the back of their mind that they say, man, I really wish she had done this, or I wish they hadn't done that. Or they may say, you know, we really didn't need this, but you gave it to us. And so we want to know that because sometimes they leave those out in the reviews. And, and how do you create the, I guess, the environment or atmosphere uh, where they feel safe to be able to, to share maybe some, some negative feedback? We use SurveyMonkey. Um, we found that, that you, there's a way to do it where it's anonymous and you just send out a link to everyone. Then they can just submit it and it doesn't tell you specifically who that is. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So when, when they, they feel like they can openly communicate and they're not going to be reprimanded or otherwise, if if you see that kind of feedback, that, that makes sense. And, and surveying really has been a a great tool for us in the last year, year and a half or so, uh, being able to get client feedback on our end as well. You've probably even gotten one from us from, from photographers edit, but, um, being able to actually get, as you say, this, this 
feedback about potentially negative experiences, but just the, the experience overall. What do you like? What do you dislike? And, and then ultimately, what can we do to actually improve? Because it's one thing to send out a survey and, and, and somebody takes time to give you that feedback, but it's another thing to actually take that and apply it to your business and make practical change. And that's really, really important. But it starts with getting that feedback. And this is really great recommendation. When, about when then do you send that survey out? Is it right before the first of the year or right after? Uh, the best time I've found to send it out is actually towards the end of October, because when we get to the like second week of November time frame, people are starting to think Christmas and Thanksgiving um, and New Year's. And then I'd rather know all of this before we hit January, because we're in the middle of planning right now. So I'd rather know that before I hit the holiday season. That totally makes sense. And that's that's great recommendation. All right. Take us to step three, if you will. So we review our client workflow and we then looked at where we're dropping the ball. Again, this kind of goes back to those threats where we've dropped the ball in the past year and what we can do to adjust it. And so I have a situation where my husband is a Lean Six Sigma certified coach. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, that basically is he deals with workflows. Um, he does it for his job um, in the medical profession. And so he is gracious enough to sit down with me and go through what my workflow is, where I'm losing time. Wow. And so that we can automate our entire workflow in 17 hacks. Wow. That's, that's huge. And, yeah. and I think you need to start a whole separate website just for your husband to offer these services to the industry. Oh <laughs> There's a massive need for this kind of thing. And I, I think it's, you know, I, at the, at photographers edit, um, we've, we've created content over the years that speaks to this very topic of workflow. And what we found is, yeah, I think most photographers see that and it, and it comes across a little bit nerdy and there are a few people who are, are drawn to it maybe, but for the most part, that's just like, oh, that's just nerdy stuff and I don't have time for that. And, you know, Evernote and task management, project management principles and mm -hmm. all this stuff, like it, it just doesn't seem like a priority. But at the end of the day, and this is something I've spoken to a number of times before, if, if you actually put a little bit of investment and time up front and into setting these systems up and designing the efficient workflows, it will pay in dividends of time down the road. It may not be your favorite thing to do. Of course, again, you can you can hire or delegate this process, uh, hire out or delegate this process to somebody else. But ultimately, if you're going to run a business effectively, you've got to have some systems in place that will enable you to have some freedom and flexibility in your lives. So it's really, really important to make the time to review the client workflow uh, in this in this particular context and and refine any of the areas that need to be. And when you say, I'm actually kind of curious, when you say client workflow, what what elements of your business is that for you? So for us, that's everything from the initial inquiry to client education. We're, we're big on education because we don't want our brides to be stressed on their wedding day. And so that goes from templated emails that we just slightly adjust to fit that bride and her needs and her wedding day to questionnaires that we send to them or to their, if they have a full service wedding planner, then, then it goes to them instead um, it's very, very detail oriented. And I know that like photographers probably are tuning me out at this point. Cause I used to do the same thing. <laughs> Work, workflow to me was like, um, 
getting the black jelly beans in a bag. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just was not, not something that I wanted to have. Um, but it cut down on the amount of time that I'm sitting there in front of the computer again. Yes. Um, it saves our time. And so it goes from initial inquiry all the way to final delivery of their galleries and ordering and all of that. It also just is a reminder of where, you know, where everything is and whatever, you know, what we're doing at the time. It feeds into ConvertKit. I talked about that for a little bit. We send all of our brides um, newsletters. And so that's, that's all factored into the client workflow. Wow. This is, this is incredible. Okay. So we hit the first three steps. SWOT, um, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Reviewing those, having some, some uh, real discussion about where there are improvements to be made. And, and of course, then actually applying those. Surveying clients and getting their feedback. And again, applying that feedback to potential changes in your business. Reviewing client workflow, looking for opportunities there to, to improve. Uh, and of course, going ahead and making those, those changes. Um, I know you've got one more for us. What would, what's that last step? So the last one is the fun one. Um, the last is making a list of goals and dreams for the next year. Um, b- thinking just big, like I, you know, want to shoot a wedding in Iceland or I want to host a workshop or I want to go to, um, I don't know, show it United, anything and everything that you, you kind of have in your head that's been bumping around and you put it down and you list it and then break it down into actionable tasks. It, you know, do you want to record a course? Okay, well, that's great. But if you don't actually set the tasks to do it, it's just going to be a dream. And so doing that makes it that first step towards a reality of actually getting it done for the next year. Oh, and this is so, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because you know, at come the new year, of course, everybody's talking about New Year's resolutions. But part of the mm-hmm. reason that people don't follow through on them is the very fact that you just mentioned, which is they don't create actionable steps associated with that goal or those goals. And, uh, you know, it, it, that does two things. First of all, if it's a really big goal, just looking at that goal on its own is extremely overwhelming. If you break it down into multiple actionable tasks, things that can actually be done and completed, and you take each of those tasks at a time, this kind of massive goal looks a lot less overwhelming. And so it's really important for that fact. And then just having that task there in place means that you're actually going to do something about the goal. It's one thing to have an idea in your head. It's another thing to, to write down the next steps and actually carry those out. And that's really, really important. Do you guys use a particular task or project management system to manage these things? So we use Trello. We, we just started using Trello. Um, and it has been incredibly helpful to, again, I'm super list oriented. Um, and that way I don't have it written down on paper that my children then color on and throw away. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, this uh, is, and that's so important too, because I mean, as much as it might seem obvious and and as much as I know people appreciate, in fact, I even appreciate paper. I'm, I'm currently taking notes actually on paper as we're talking. Um, there's, there's a certain element of that that's enjoyable and even helpful, but Ultimately, if you're running a business and you're not using electronic tools that easily synchronize between you know, your computer and your phone and vice versa and get backed up online in the cloud, uh, it's, you're, you're really ultimately hurting yourself because there is the potential of losing um, the calendar or losing the to-do list. And, uh, and then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. There's really no need for that. There are wonderful, wonderful 
free or even uh, or inexpensive tools out there that can be used. Trello is one of them. I use uh, Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T.com. Uh, is is the task and project management system that I use. And I've, I've spoken about this before on the Book of Podcasts, but using something like Trello, uh, using something like Todoist, allows you to do just what we were talking about. Uh, if you have a goal, that can be a project. And under that project, then you create multiple tasks that will enable you to complete that project. And it'll make it less overwhelming. It'll help you actually get it done. And so this is a really, really great reminder. The goals and dreams, that's important. But then the very fact that you are creating actionable tasks is just absolutely vital. And it's a really great reminder for all of us um, talking to and listening in. So I really appreciate this, Meredith. This has been a wonderful conversation, just loaded with resources. And again, for those of you listening, we'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes. And Meredith, I'd love for you to, to just kind of share with our listeners where they can find and follow you online as well. Yeah, Nathan, um, you can find me at MeredithRingCars.com, and uh, I'm on Instagram at MeredithRingCars, on Facebook, MeredithRingCars Photography. Um, if you are looking for more um, business-related stuff, uh, TheRestartSpecialist.com, the restart specialist on Instagram or Facebook. Perfect. And, and RingCars is spelled R-Y-N-C-A-R-Z, Correct. Yes, it is. Perfect. Meredith Rincars or MeredithRincars.com. Perfect. Well, again, Meredith, thank you so much for making time for our Boca Podcast listeners today. This has been absolutely wonderful. Well, thanks, Nathan, for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>